Hello, I'm Sarah James, a lifestyle blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast in the Lifelisten Network about two women embarking on a self-care bender. We're both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet it's elusive. And while we may have all the information we need, we don't always get there. We want to explore different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious, looking at body, mind, and spirit, and also just some random talk that's thrown in there for good measure. We also want to look at the defenses and distractions to keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, well, we have a very fascinating conversation today. We are talking about women and drinking and how to know when it's too much. We're talking about the culture of drinking to relax and that messy middle in between healthy drinking and full-blown alcoholism. So, um, yeah, which I think is, I think that's a question a lot of women struggle with. Absolutely. I totally agree. I cannot wait for this interview. I know. So the interview is with author Carrie Cohen. She wrote a really great memoir called Lush about her own kind of realization that she was drinking too much um, and how she sort of found her way without, you know, with without feeling like she's a full-blown alcoholic, but also realizing like this is a coping skill that's not so good. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are a lot of yeah. people out there dealing with the exact same thing. So... Oh, and, and the the culture for women to like joke about drinking and, mm-hmm. you know, unwind with drinking, it's very pervasive. So I thought this was a really timely topic for us. I agree. Uh, but before we get into that, we are going to talk about a sponsor quickly. So my remodel is moving forward. I know, Sarah, as is yours. <laughs> yes. Yay. Keep talking about our remodels. <laughs> Everyone's like, shut up, ladies. <laughs> uh, but I am finally at the point where I have walls. Yes. Which is a good thing. I have walls. A year in, I have walls. So <laughs> I have this, and now I have a staircase, and I have a big wall at the top of the staircase, like a long hallway. So this is just a ton of wall space that I've been trying to figure out what to do with. And then I had a light bulb about one of our frequent sponsors. So I just ordered a whole bunch of new family photos from Canvas people, and I'm very excited about it. You're so smart, Kristen Howerton. Yes. I need to do that too. Oh my gosh. Well, if you guys aren't familiar, you have to check out Canvas People. They print your favorite photos on Canvas for really unique, beautiful prints. We talk about how we use them at Christmas for gifts for our grandparents. Yes, and I have used them before as well. Now, the ones that I have are like 8 by 10, 11 by 14, but I'm going to order some super big ones and just kind of mishmash them all together. Yeah. Um, and I'm very excited to create a gallery wall with them. What I like about Canvas people, they're very clean lines. They're that f- frameless look, um, and they're matte, so they look good with other art pieces. They look good with frames. Um, and they are really high quality. I mean, they blow your little photos up to a beautiful piece of art. Yeah. And uh, we have a special deal for you guys right now from Canvas People. You can get an 11 by 14 Canvas People print for free. Yes, 11 by 14. That is a $69 value. All you do is pay the shipping and handling. Yeah, this is a great deal. And I know when we've done this before, a lot of our readers have commented that they got theirs and really liked them. So to get your own 11 by 14 Canvas People print for free, just visit canvaspeople.com 
upload your photo, and then enter the code SELFIE. This is a special limited time offer for our listeners. So canvaspeople.com, go today, use the code SELFIE for your free print. Oh, yeah. So uh, now we need to do a little self-care updating. And I don't really know what you're planning to tell me, Kristen, but I have a question for you. Okay. Because I feel like now is about the time. If yes. you Have you had a period? Oh, since my ablation since journey. Since the ablation journey. I just keep calling it my ablation journey. I know. So, okay, I like if, it. If you are just tuning in and you've not been listening to me talk endlessly about my remodel and my uterus, um, <laughs> <laughs> I had a uterine ablation recently, which is a procedure where they scrape or burn the lining of your uterus to reduce and or end your periods. So yes, big question mark is, did I have a period? So I did. Okay. It was very light. <gasps> like how light? <laughs> like panty liner light. Oh my like gosh. Light. Like, like, hi, little period. You're cute. cute. It was a cute little period. Did you even have cramps or anything? <laughs> Well, well, you're I kind of did. crampy because, yeah. So, so yes, I did have cramps. I had my period two weeks post procedure. So, you know, I haven't had a full cycle of have, uh, you know, since I basically murdered my uterus from the inside. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I haven't, you know, I haven't had a true full cycle. So I did have cramps. That was a little bit concerning, but at the same time you kind of have cramps for up to a month after the procedure. Yeah, that's what I would figure. Yeah. So I don't know. I will say this, though. It's super weird um, because, of course, you still have all your other symptoms. Oh, total. Hormone. Hormones. So, you know, I was still a raving lunatic oh, for yeah. three days. Oh, yeah. Moody, irritable, hate everyone. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so it was kind of weird because it's like, is this my period? Like, you know, you don't really know. <laughs> Well, see, that's what's cool. You can just keep going with your flow app. So I am still going with my flow app. And maybe your boyfriend exactly should still be dialed into that as well. Uh, he is. <laughs> yeah. he's, still, he's still clocking that shit. <laughs> he's still avoiding me for four days out of the month. <laughs> well, that, I don't know. That's promising, though. Panty liner, period. I'll take it. Yes. Wow. But um, yeah, so that that's good news. I will I will keep you guys updated. I know you're on pins and needles to hear about my <laughs> next period. Uh, but have no fear. I'm going to keep talking about it. All right. So, my ablation journey. And then um, I just got back in town. Last week, I went to the Wild Goose Festival, which is a festival I don't even know how to explain. It is a faith and I faith, spiritual justice and arts festival. Okay. And it is very woo-woo. Mm -hmm. It is kind of, I, I'm going to say it's off-brand for me even. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are tents where you can have your chakras read. Yes. Oh, I love there, this. I want to go. I know. You would love it. I don't know why you don't come. I'm there are go tents next year. Where you can engage in spiritual drumming. Nice. There are tents where you can have your spirit cleansed. Ooh. I did not partake in that because Wowza. I don't know about that uh, business. Yeah. Too far. And then there's sessions, you know, on everything from, I mean, it's very LGBT ally kind of, kind of stuff, um, racial justice, and then there's musicians. There's so many drum circles, M lots of hula hooping. Oh, Oh my god. It's kind of like Burning Man meets 
church camp. Nice. Actually, I think that's about it. But anyway, I just got back from that. And that is all like it feeds my soul. I just I love that crap. Well, and you do you seem you seem very peppy today. I mean, yes. I, I, can, I can sense it in you. Like I feel a good. I feel like you got a good spirit thing going on today. Happy. I, I like do. it. I do. Well, I, you know, I got away from the, the constant construction happening at my mm-hmm. house. And I just want to clarify, if I've not been clear, the construction has been, is happening by me. Like I, I'm the person. Yeah. <laughs> so I should probably say I got away from doing construction. Like oh my right before I left, I laid floors and I built a balcony railing. I know the whole balcony railing. I just, I wish I could have been a fly on the oh, wall or the tree outside while you're like handling a hacksaw or something. Well, I need to take some photos. And oh, post please them do. Because Will you? It looks pretty kick ass. I'm not going to lie. Um, and much credit to my boyfriend because he's really the one who did a lot of the work. But anyway, um, so it was really, really good to get away. I stayed in a cabin with like 12 of my friends. We did beer and hymns every night, which mm. was just. Great. It was a circus. So yes, I do feel like I kind of, I got my spirit fed. I got away. I had a lot of laughs with old friends. So it was really good. Oh, good. I'm so happy for you. And I, I, th- I want to go to that next year. I really think you would enjoy it. it I is, think I would. It's just, and you know what? I'm just going to be honest. It's a big group of weirdos. Well, yeah, which just makes me, well, I didn't I recall somewhere, or you said something about, yeah, I think it was on the last podcast about going to hang out with a bunch of fours. And I'm like, oh, it's, those it's are my people. Whole, it's a whole group of Enneagram fours. Oh my gosh. Speaking of, this just popped in my head. There's a new Twitter account called, called Enneadog. Have you seen it? You, well, yes, because you reposted it yesterday and I looked at it and I wondered if it was you. No, it's not me. I don't know who it is. Okay, let's tell people what we're talking about. Okay, so So it's, yes, go ahead. Any a dog? Any a dog. Any a dog. It's a Twitter account where it's just usually a gif of a dog doing something with some hilariously little snarky commentary about an Enneagram number. So for instance, the one that I retweeted yesterday was like this little, tiny little miniature dog in a little costume. And he's like running as quickly as he can out of a room. And what it said was, Type four, you know, this is what happens when a type four realizes someone else to the party has the same outfit on. And I just looked at it and I'm like, that's me. That's like me. I'd be like, oh my God. Oh my gosh. Somebody. But there's like, there's one of this dog, like on this mountaintop, just looking all majestic and confident. It's like type three when you realize your email is all finished. Like you've worked through the entire email box. It's just that really made me cute. Laugh so hard because I did do that last week. <laughs> like I took pictures of my inbox number and sent it to people oh oh my god whoa too far too far (laughs) you know what I bet our listeners are super excited about that they're listening to our remodel stuff again and my uterus again and now the Enneagram again you're (laughs) welcome everyone I know a lot of you going around yeah you guys love the Enneagram and you have to go check this out I mean there's only like 10 posts it just started I think I have 49 followers but it just made me laugh so hard that type four because I'm obviously not a type four, but I'm a four wing. And I just relate so much to that. I relate to you talking about all these people that are a bunch of weirdos doing their own thing, walking around a festival. And I'm like, yep, totally relate to that. Like, well, I'm, I'm going to go. 
I, I now I have to mention this because I, you know, was just at Wild Goose. Yes. And who, another person who just happened to be there um, was a girl named Hannah who runs an Instagram account called, called Garbage Oprah. <laughs> and she is behind the Millenniagram. <gasps> What's that? So it's just millennials. I mean, she's like a young, you know, yeah. young, adorable, I don't know, 20, 30 something. Um, so she does a podcast on it and she's super funny. Um, so she's also on Twitter and the hashtag is Millenniagram. But I just got to hang out with her um, and she did this super funny thing on um, it was like high school movie characters and their Enneagram types. Oh, <gasps> I've got to see that. And she said that Cher is the ultimate three from Clueless. <laughs> and I was like, I feel so known because I watch that movie constantly because I'm like, she is me. That is me. Oh, you kind of are Cher. I kind of am. You are. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I now that it. I'm looking at this, I'm going to have to ask her, but she's retweeting the Inia dog a whole lot. And I think it might be her. Maybe it's her. I'm going to ask Maybe her. Maybe it's her. Oh, well, yeah. I just love it. And I don't know. The more... I. I, may, I think sometimes I'm a four wing three. I don't know. But mm. I, I, I will, no, I will say my productivity is the most important thing to me. So I think I am a three. It is. But I do, man. I, I just get down with that four sometime. I'm the like, four oh. is strong. The four the is four, strong in the you. <laughs> but a bunch. Yeah. The four is strong. The four is strong. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> we are so funny. We're, so, we're on it today, Howerton. We are I on know. it. People are All laughing. All right. Well. Okay. Well, enough with that. Um. Oh, hey, guess what? Do you want me to talk more about my uterus? Yeah. Let's talk about my eyes now. Can we talk about a physical part of my body? Brother. I I can see, Kristen. You can because I can't. Okay. Well, I What did you do? Well, 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 well. I got multifocal contact (laughs) lenses. Just just think about that for a second. Yeah, just think about that. My contact lenses have two prescriptions- in each lens. I didn't know they could do that. Oh, they can. And apparently they have for years. But when I announced this with Glee, several people were like, are you kidding me? That's a thing. And so I'm Mm -hmm. here to tell all of you 40 somethings that maybe are nearsighted, but now can't read menus or like me have always been farsighted and really can't read anything. Yeah. I, and somehow science, your brain knows which part to like look out of the contact to see what you're seeing. I don't even know how it works, but I can now drive and see distance and then (laughs) see my speedometer and everything is clear as day. And I am now officially just, I will never take these things out. I mean, I do. So, okay. I've never worn contacts. Mm -hmm. Are these, are these contacts that you use and then throw away every day or these are contracts that you keep? Oh no, I wear dailies. I can't deal with that cleaning. I'm way too lazy. They can do a multifocal in a daily. Like I, oh yeah, girl. This is like what I mean. Uh huh. What is this life that we're living right now? This is what you call 2018, mofo's. That's what this is. Oh, lucky we are to be alive right now. We are so lucky that they can do a multifocal in Uh a throwaway. In a throwaway, I just popped because actually, what I do is I'm so lazy. I don't even throw them in the trash. I take them out of, I rip them out of my eyeballs and put them on my side table. And sometimes I can go a whole week, and all of a sudden I look over at my little <laughs> bedside table, and there's like 70 little dried up contacts laying there because I'm a disgusting sloth. But you know what? 
You know what, Sarah? I'm tired. This information shocks me. Does it? It does, because you are very neat. And I feel like I'm always the one with a purse that has, like, <laughs> gum and candy and 15 receipts at the bottom. And you have, like, a wallet and your sunglasses with no scratches on them. So <laughs> I'm taking a little glee in thinking about your nasty contacts on your bedside table well like, I, I feel like you're a little more human now well I hope that makes you feel better and if you would like to it interview does. my husband about my um, <laughs> neatness please do because let me tell you there are certain things that I'm neat and there are certain things that I am disgusting and like That's contacts really is one of them so yeah anyway right. I can see guys I can see I'm really, really excited. I need to do this because I cannot freaking read a menu. I well, mean, yeah. I'm embarrassing. But you don't wear glasses normally, so why don't you don't need to get multifocal. You just need to get a little bit of help, like a plus one. Yeah, I do actually have a small vision issue outside of oldness. Okay, so outside maybe you should age. go to the eye doctor. Is that what we're deciding right now? <laughs> well, you know, what's so frustrating is I did. I did do that. I got glasses. I lost them two weeks in, oh, and I just Lordy. never went back to the eye doctor for well, two you years. Know, that that sounds about right. That, hey, but what? I also have, I don't know, this is a whole other thing, but I have, like, funky issues with my vision and, like, getting nauseous all the time. Right, right. And the glasses were making me nauseous. Well, I will tell you this. For those of you out there that have bifocal glasses or progressives, mm -hmm. I now call them progressives, so you sound fancier and not so old, um, that have trouble and feel really dizzy and nauseous looking through the lenses. I did not have that with the contacts. I have it with the glasses. I just like, you know, looking up and down within the glasses. I, I just like, walk down the stairs. I'm like, what? But with the contacts, since you're not physically looking around a lens on a pair of glasses, mm -hmm. it's like your brain just gets it better. So for those of you that really that need progressives, sense. but the glasses aren't working, try the contacts. Not going to lie, the multifocal plus the dailies are not cheap, but I will pay I anything to be able to see and not have to actually wash my contacts every night with solution because, oh, hell no. Okay. Yeah, that, that feels like a thing to splurge on. Yeah, it does. Okay. So that's enough about my eyes. <gasps> you know what we should talk about? Some of the Facebook conversations. <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys, <laughs> if you're not in our Facebook group, I know we talk about it every week. It's seriously the best. <laughs> like it is my favorite place to go on Facebook. Me too. I don't even look at my feed anymore. I just go in our Facebook group. Totally. Totally. We talked about a lot of things this week. Well, first of all, we all went crazy talking about Amazon Prime Day. Oh my gosh. So you missed that because we were all sharing a lot of links. We were. We were. Um, we talked about drinking apple cider vinegar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about hair thinning. Oh yeah. Which is a problem for many people. Yeah. Um, there was a new mom who asked for advice on going back to work after maternity leave. So there was lots of conversations. My big takeaway was if you have to pump your breast milk, you can do it in the car. That's what I did. That's the thing. I did not do that. Well, my, oh, but I also, I was a stay at home mom. So <laughs> I didn't go anywhere. I didn't leave my house. Yeah. I was a pharmaceutical <laughs> rep. So I actually, my office was in my car. It was either that wow. or in a doctor's office, but oh yeah, I'd be hanging out in a hospital lot, just hooked on up, just listening to the radio, pumping my breasts. It was really Good awesome. Lord. With no I never did that, but I did pump on an airplane once. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was mortifying. That's gotta be a uh, yeah, that's tricky. That's tricky, that one. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, you guys need to come on over if you haven't been over to our Facebook community group. It is awesome. So much going on all the time and we love it over there. So now we want to talk about another sponsor we have called Pevolve. So here's the deal, guys. Steven Pasteran, he's this 15-year fitness veteran. He created this exercise method called the Prehab Method. So basically, this method elongates muscles, and it creates this lean core, glutes, and thighs. And it really eliminates bulk because it kind of creates a sculpted look by using low-impact anti-pulse training. Yeah. So if you've ever, you know, thought like, I really want to get in shape, but I don't want to bulk up and I'm worried about, you know, weight training or that kind of a thing. This method, the prehab method is a great one. So what's interesting about it is at the core of this exercise method is this device called a P-ball, which is this exercise ball with elastic bands that hold the ball high up in your, up by your thighs to activate those hard to reach muscles in your core and your glutes and in your thighs. So we, Sarah and I both tried it. It's, it's not hard. It's not a, you know, it's not a hard device to use, but it is definitely hitting muscles that you otherwise would not be getting. It kind of reminded me of, I, I was a dancer in college and how like some of those movements would hit muscles that you wouldn't otherwise use. Yes. I, it, I, that is a perfect, perfect example. It also reminded me a lot of the moves that I do in some of my Pilates classes, kind of almost like when you're doing it, it's, you don't feel like it's that hard, but the next day you really, really feel it. Yes. (laughs) So P-Ball, they have this streaming service that offers a large library of videos, including structured workout plans. And I think there's new videos actually updated weekly. So the programs Mm -hmm. include a 30 day challenge, a six day total body and a three day body burn. And users can stream those to school tone and define anytime, anywhere from any device. I love that I was actually able to do it from my iPhone. Yes, it is fantastically convenient. If you like those little muscle movements and the effects of things like Pilates or Pure Bar, it's a great way to get that look at home. So if you're interested in trying the P-Ball, you can get one and also receive two months of free streaming by visiting pvolve.com slash selfie and you have to enter the code SELFIE at checkout. So again, you can get the P-Ball along with two free months of streaming at pvolve.com slash SELFIE. And again, make sure you pop in the promo code SELFIE at checkout to get the deal. Nice. All right. Two thumbs up. Who wants to go first? Let's talk about our two thumbs up. Hit it, Kristen. All right. Well, um, one of mine is a little bit mortifying, but I'm just going to put it out there. Oh, wow. It is a karaoke microphone that I bought for myself. <laughs> <laughs> because of course you did. Of course I did. Of course you did. Because this karaoke microphone is amazing. So I actually bought it because I lead beer and hymns at Wild Goose and it's unamplified. So every year I blow my voice out trying to yell out what the next hymn is, right? Yeah. So I buy this karaoke microphone because I think this maybe would be better than a bullhorn, although I actually did end up using the bullhorn for that. (laughs) But I took the microphone with me and I'm just going to say we had a lot of fun with it (gasps) in my cabin. Um, It is, okay, so what it is, it's wireless and it's Bluetooth. And what's so funny is that my friend Joy also brought one. (laughs) So we had two of them in our cabin. Um, But anyway, you can hook it up to music, but the speaker is on the microphone. So if you're a karaoke fan, 
rather than buying a whole system. You can just buy this microphone. And then did you know, Sarah, that there are all kinds of karaoke things on YouTube? No. What do you mean? Have you not done this? Like every karaoke ever is on YouTube. If you want a karaoke, you can do the entire thing from YouTube. So just the music's playing with the words on a video. (gasps) Of every freaking song ever. What? Yeah. Like there is no need to buy a system. Every song ever has a karaoke version where the music's playing without words, but the words are showing, you know, the text on YouTube. Okay. I I want one of these microphones. Malou so would you, you love it. You get the it. microphone, you get a little Roku stick or however you choose to put YouTube on your TV. Yeah. And then you can karaoke to glory. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. Th- that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. And then my other one, is, this is just real nerdy. I'm just going full nerd. But Sweet. we talked about pens in our Facebook group. I and love I'm pens. Oh, I know. We Yeah, of course. We are both pen nerds. Very picky. Yes. Yes. Very picky. Yes. And someone mentioned, now I've always liked the Sharpie Ultra Fine Point. They're technically markers, but they work like a pen. They're really, really, really fine point, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, I think, felt tipped on the end, like a marker. But they will dry out if you don't put the cap back on. So someone pointed out that they make them retractable. What? And I just got them and they're very exciting. <gasps> so it doesn't dry out ever. Right. Do they so, have all different and colors? You don't. Uh, oh, multi- multiple. Yeah. I bought like the rainbow pack. <gasps> I bought like a 20 pack rainbow <sighs> pack, which I will link up to on our show notes at selfiepodcast.com. But I'll also put them in the Facebook group. I mean, you do have to obviously remember to retract, but then you're not losing a cap. Oh, it's just, no. you know, you click it. That is. That's really good. I don't know. I have to give you like two thumbs up on your two thumbs up today. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, So, oh, I've got a good one. I've got a good one. Well, both of mine are actually self-care oriented. Thank you very much. I tried really hard. Mm. But the first one is a facial ice roller. Now, like walk, walk this path with me, Kristen. So, you know, we've talked about the gua sha tools for the face. Yes. You know, I, I've talked about jade rollers that you just rolled on. Yes. This is a roller that is kind of the same shape. It's a little bit bigger. Um, but the roller part actually has a gel inside of it that you freeze, that you keep it in the freezer. <laughs> this is just so much face rolling, Sarah. Oh, my God. This thing is, <laughs> this is unflipping believable. I almost want to just toss everything out the window. This thing really? you pull okay, out of so the this freezer. Is the one to get? Yeah, it's $12. Okay. It's $12. Oh, okay. You can Sold. buy whatever color handle you want. Of course, I went with white because you know, I just don't of course you did. Of course I did. Clean. And um it's so cold though, Kristen, it literally kind of jars you. You put it up against your face and you're like, oh my God. But if you just take that thing and put it right underneath your eyes, if you have mm-hmm. puffy, it's gone. It's gone. What? You have to trust me. This thing is so okay, amazing. I'm ordering it right now. I swear, this is the part of the show where Kristen orders a thing that Sarah talks about. Well, yeah. I mean, I, once again, enabling purchases is my spiritual gift. We all know this. But, but yes, it, this thing is, as you said, $11.99 on Amazon. $11.99. And it has 765 star reviews. There you go. You guys. I would not steer you in the wrong direction. This thing is so good, but here's the thing. It's not just for eye puffiness. 
a lot of people use it for migraines, headaches, mm. um, neck pain, because it's cooling. Anything that you want to like have a right. cooling sensation. So anyway, you guys, thumbs up. I have it. I love it. It's really cold though. That's all I'm saying. It's super cold. So that's number one. My other thing that I finally, I swear, I saw this on somebody's Instagram stories and I put it in my cart and I just finally pulled the trigger. It's this little shiatsu pillow massager. It's on Amazon. Oh, I have this thing. It's the best thing ever. It's the like $39 one. It's so amazing. Um, You guys... Where, how have I gone 43 years of my life without this thing? You just, it's like this little portable thing. You put it back and lean back on a chair. You can put it in your lower back. You can put your hands on it. You can put your feet on it. And not only is it a massager, but it's got heat too. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's so good. And you guys, it's not like shaky massage. It's like someone's fingers are on you. Rolling, rolling. Rolling massages. Rolling Rolling heat penetrative massage. I hate that oh, word. Oh, I mean, I I could not find mine for about a week and like I would lay in bed thinking about it. <laughs> my massager. I mean, when you get like a little neck thing, it, <sighs> I mean, it's it's like going to a, mas- a massage therapist. It is. It's you amazing. Guys, I'm telling you. Yeah. It's amazing. No, I love that thing. You and just it gotta... is a good gift. It's yeah. a oh, real good gift. That is too. a really good gift. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So those are my two thumbs up, girl. Love it. All right. Well, summer's in full swing. And if you are in the market for some new summer dresses, maybe dresses with pockets or even swimsuits, Mod Cloth, our sponsor, is a great destination for clothing. Yes, it is such a good destination. Mod Cloth has a ton of vintage-inspired clothes, and there's some really fun prints for summer. Mm-hmm. They actually do have an entire category called dresses with pockets. But what I love about Mod Cloth is that they really understand women's bodies. Their dresses always fit me very well, and their swimsuit line is so flattering. Mm-hmm. Everything is designed by women for women in a full size range. So they've got everything from extra, extra small all the way up to 4X and plus size. Yes, which is awesome. And they're actually doing a really fun collaboration with Wrangler right now. Have you seen this? Oh, yeah. Wrangler. So, you know. Memories. Yeah. I am all about the 70s. I love, you know me, my high-waisted pants. Oh, yeah. Oh, Love it. Love it. Love it. So, they're doing this great collab, and you can rock a pair of flare pants with a chambray top, and there's little fun embroidered details. It's just super fun. I love that they're doing a collaboration with Wrangler. That makes me so happy. All right. To get 15% off your purchase of $100 or more, go to modcloth.com. That's M-O-D-C-L-O-T-H. And enter the code SELFIE at checkout. 15% off, but hurry because it expires on October 10th. All right. Well, very, very excited to jump into this interview that Kristen recently did with Carrie Cohen, who's the author of Lush, a memoir. Okay, Carrie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I was really excited to talk to you on a number of levels. First of all, because we both have a lot in common. We're both licensed therapists. Oh, okay, great. And moms. Yeah. <laughs> Blended families. Mm. Um, but you just wrote a book that I found really fascinating, which is called Lush, and it really delves into women and drinking and when mm-hmm. drinking becomes a, pro- a problem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And all of the confusion around that. I mean, I think 
the thing that led me to write the book in the first place was that I noticed that suddenly I was drinking a whole lot, but kind of more interestingly, everyone I talked to was telling me the same thing. It's like none of those other women I was talking to had had drinking problems previously and neither had I. And here we all were suddenly drinking too much. And we just, I just, I just found that worrisome and strange and, and it made me want to start pursuing it as a project. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I can resonate with that so much myself, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. I'm in a life stage with, um, you know, four kids and things are stressful and I find myself like, you know, at the end of the day thinking like, okay, I'm ready for a drink. And then I actually went on a diet a while back where I wasn't supposed to drink and really Mm -hmm. noticed like, oh my gosh. Yeah. All those things come up when you do that. (laughs) All the things come up. That's funny because I totally, uh, attempted to do those sorts of diets when I was drinking too much. And the part that included where you were supposed to stop drinking, I I just didn't do that part. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, that's more evidence. Like, huh? Yeah. What's happening? You know, what's happening here? So what do you, you know, what do you think is happening for, for women, you know, in our generation that what's going on for us existentially that, you Mm -hmm. know, there seem to be so many of us struggling with feeling that need to drink? Well, I mean, really, we can just look at the experience of being a woman in our culture. And it's not, it's not too hard to figure out why, you know, I mean, it's like, we're, it's the whole, we're supposed to, you know, be able to have it all or, and even want to have it all. There's that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that already seems difficult. I mean, like you said, there's, um, you know, for yourself, being a mother, you're, you're working probably full time and certainly, you know, working in often working in careers that, you know, are quite demanding and, um, um, and then, and, you know, taking care of things at home and then also just trying to manage, I don't know, like the experience of, of being okay in our, in the world, which is just really, you know, it's difficult for any human, but I think that for women, it can, it's, it's harder just because of all the pressures and, and all the ways that women, um, you know, get harmed around our bodies, around, um, our, uh, who we are sexually around, um, you know, who we are in relationships and, um, uh, I, all those things together, I think it just, there's some, and there's something about the, your forties, like as you hit middle age yeah, where you look back and you're like, wait a minute, this is not what I was promised. <laughs> like this right? is not how I thought things were going to go. And that's sort of depressing. And it's depressing because you realize yeah. like, wow, that was a lot of my life. And I, you know, I, it just didn't go how I thought. And here I am for me, you know, I have, Um, my older son is autistic, which is, you know, not, it's not a terrible thing at all, but it's, you know, it's different, certainly different than I had thought was going to happen for me when I was, uh, you know, in my twenties get, you know, thinking about imagining that I was going to get married and have children and I was already divorced and, um, and here I was in another relationship that was just really, really bad and crappy. And, and also, and also that was really depressing. Cause I was like, really, after all this time, after all the work I've done on myself around my stuff around relationships, I'm in basically like the worst relationship of my life. Like how, yeah. how did I do this? Yeah, you know? Right. 
um, and feeling like, like it was, it, it, there's kind of this feeling of like, oh God, it's too late or, mm-hmm. or, or how do, how do I get out? Like you can't find a way out. Mm-hmm. So drinking suddenly seems like such a nice way to soften the edges and it's socially acceptable too. So it is socially acceptable and it's, it's interesting. And you talk about this a little bit too, how socially acceptable it is almost mm-hmm. to the point that it's encouraged and it's jokey and it's, yeah. it almost feels required you yes. know, for women when they're getting together. Yes. There's all that stuff about, um, moms groups that, you know, drink wine out of sippy cups or there's just, there's like a whole bunch of stuff about, um, uh, women and, and, and social drinking that is, yeah, just like you said, it's, it's expected and also, um, funny. It's, it's funny, you know, even when it's not funny, it's supposed to be funny. So, and it is kind of funny, but you know, it's, it's like, it's funny in that, like, what else are we supposed to do? But, but joke about the fact that our lives are too overwhelming and we all feel like we're going to die. You like, you know, like what else can you do? But joke about the fact that you need, need a drink. So, um, it makes sense to me. I certainly don't judge that, but I also, I just feel like we need to look critically at that and be like, what's that about? Why aren't we, why aren't we really spending more time looking at what's happening to women in, instead of just continuing to drink, you know, because the more, the more we continue to drink, of course, the less we're going to spend time looking at what's really going on. <laughs> right. Isn't that, I mean, that's really, you know, where addiction gets so hairy is that not yes. only are you doing something to avoid the pain, the, the very thing you're doing is taking you away from the ability to yes. think critically about it. Exactly. Exactly. And that, and you know, the thinking critically about it feels like a really important part of this book and this issue for me mm-hmm. is that one of the things I did, um, for this book and really just something I do in my life, I guess, for, for everything that I'm, um, that I start self-examining or examining about others too, as maybe as a therapist or, or just as a person in the world is that I stayed curious instead of Mm. deciding anything and people get upset with you for that, (laughs) which, you know, they don't like it. They were really mad. I mean, some people were very mad that I did not just decide I was an alcoholic and go to AA. Mm -hmm. Um, and oh, I yeah. think people are still mad. Yeah. And people who read this will be mad about it. Um, that I never dis- I, that I stayed curious and and wanted to know. I wanted to understand. I didn't want to just decide that because I, I just something something internally told me no. That's not that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. So um, and I never did. Of course, I never did wind up going to AA. I never I. I quit for a month in order to sort of like do a restart. Mm-hmm. Recalibrate. Yeah. But then I, but now I, I still drink. I moderate. I just, you know, I changed my life and I don't, um, I just don't drink the way I did. I don't have a relationship to it like I did before. Um, and that's because I changed my, the things around me that needed to get changed. And I did, and I just started focusing more on the core problem, which for me was just, was not drinking. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'm not saying that that's true for everybody at all. Some people of course do need to stop completely. Right. Um, but I just think that it's worthwhile to look at the possibility that that's not always the case. Yeah. And I appreciated how you're really kind of looking at that gray area because I feel like we, we all sort of have a a collective sense of what an alcoholic is. And it's that person who, 
who can't manage to drink. And if they drink, you know, they kind of slide down a staircase metaphorically, mm-hmm. but also maybe literally. Mm-hmm. You know? and, I, right. and I have those relatives who they, they cannot drink. You yes. know, if they start to drink, it goes from zero to, to 10 to like job loss, you know? Yes. Right. Um, exactly. But I think, and, and that's important to talk about, and there are many resources about that, but I think a lot of us are in this kind of messy middle where mm-hmm. we probably don't identify as an alcoholic, maybe don't meet that criteria, probably you know aren't at the point where we need full abstinence and a 12-step program, but mm-hmm. maybe we're in a place where it's problematic. Yeah. And so, you know, and that's, of course, that's worth looking at. And of course, um, there are times when, you know, you can have problematic relationships to drinking um, that, you know, there's lots and lots of research now. And this is the other thing that I found through staying curious is, you know, I spent a lot of time reading and and looking at what was going on in the world of addiction right now. And um, there's, it's just not true that most people are alcoholics. Mm. So, um, I mean, if you look at, I mean, of course there's statistics, which are always questionable. Yeah. Um, but there's lots and lots of research that, that supports the idea that the reason people turn to substances or, or behaviors, you know, like process addiction stuff, like, which is, you know, my core addiction is sex and love addiction, which I wrote about in my first memoir, um, that, um, that a lot of people turn to those things, um, not because not out of a disease or not out of like, you know, that they just, they're inevitably never going to be able to stop. It's just, it's, it's instead, uh, because of our environments and that's stress really. I mean, stress. Mm -hmm. So when we look at being a woman, of course, and the, and the things we talked about at the beginning of this interview about being, being a woman, in this culture and how there's just this inevitable amount of stress that we all are stuck with, Mm -hmm. but then add to it any of our own personal issues and ways that we get ourselves into um, environments that are going to be hurtful to us, um, that it's those things that we need to focus on and not, and not just take away the substance, you know, like there's this dangerous thing I think that we have that like, you know, substances are evil, that they're the problem. And of course they're not, (laughs) you know, the problem is, the problem is, is the, all the, the pressures and, and, and and the environmental problem that we, that we sit in every day. And I don't mean like environment, like, um, environmental, like pollution. I mean, environmental, like, like what, what our culture does around, yeah, yeah, around making us feel not good enough around, you know, I mean, that's probably the biggest one is, the ways in which our like capitalist culture just makes us feel like crap all the time. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that we, and so then we feel, and then we make bad, you know, then we, then we behave in certain ways in our lives because we feel bad and, and, you know, boom, then we're in a place where now we need to have a drink to take the edge off. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. So what, you know, in your journey, what was kind of that moment where you, or was there a moment or was it more of a progression where you kind of made that realization for yourself? Like I need a reset or I need to recalibrate with this drinking thing. Yeah. Um, it was, there wasn't like a, a singular aha moment. Um, there were a number, there, there were a number of points where I thought to myself, all right, this, this is out of hand. Like something, I'm really unhappy. Something's really wrong. It was almost like I noticed 
that I was drinking too much before I noticed how unhappy I was. <laughs> and, um, and, and like most things, you know, I had to, I had to realize it and then realize it again and then be like, all right, that's it. I'm done. And then about, you know, two years later, it's like, no, really I'm done now. You know, that's mm-hmm. how we do things. But, um, so, uh, so that's kind of what happened. And then, um, I, and what I did was I, I changed the situation around me first, which was the, the relationship I was in, which I got out of that relationship. And, and then, um, I decided that I was going to sort of design my own way out. And I mean, it's sort of a privileged thing that I was able to do. I was able to go to, I went to an ashram actually in the Bahamas. I mean, I realized not everyone could do that. Um, but that's what I decided to do. I sort of designed my own situation where, where I knew when I was there and I went there for almost a month, I knew when I was there that I would not be able to touch any of those, anything. I wouldn't be able to, to drink. I would, there was no alcohol anywhere and there was no, I couldn't smoke cigarettes, which was, you know, very much went along with the drinking for me. Um, and, um, and I was going to be inside of this uh, place that was all like yoga and meditation and, um, spirituality and, um, and, um, and so it just kind of forced me into quitting drinking. So I, I kind of, I took myself out of my, mm. out of my life in order to do it. And I know not everyone can do that. And that's also why a lot of people go to rehab because what a great way to, to take yourself yeah. out of your life, you know, Absolutely. um, and that always sounded dreamy to me, like as a woman, like, Oh wow. Like you just get to, <laughs> you just get to like get taken care of. People go on to hear about your feelings, you know, like that totally. sounds so nice. Like with a bunch of other women, you know, Sit in a circle. Yeah. It sounded great. <laughs> so, um, but actually this was cheaper, um, to do it the way I did it. And, um, and I just, you know, and I made the decision based on some, uh, literature I'd seen out there about moderation where I would take the month off and then I would, I would, um, the idea is then you make like a plan around how to bring drinking back in and how often and you stick to it. But what I found once I got back is I didn't even really need to do that. I just, uh, I just started drinking in a more normal way. Um, and not, and I, I, the parts of me that had been drawn to drinking in this negative way, uh, were just sort of had, had been, uh, I'd worked through, I, or I'd worked through in ways, in different ways. I wasn't desperate in the ways that I was when I was with this man in this relationship, hmm. because I just wasn't so miserably unhappy anymore. Right. <laughs> so, um, so it just it helped me. That that recalibration was necessary to kind of just stop the habit of it. But, um, mm-hmm. but I was yeah. So I just I wound up being able to have this different relationship. That's yeah. That's so interesting too. How just a relationship can change our behavior and our coping mechanisms and all of that. Well, it can for me because of my sex and love addiction. You know, it's like yeah. I don't know that that's true for everybody, but for me, it definitely can. Um, and for others, I think who have like uh, relationship injury is kind of what it is. You know, I have like I have like basically like an intimacy disorder. I, I don't, you know, I don't really love all these labels. Like, but at the same time, I think they help to right. Um, I think of the sex and love addiction thing as a spectrum and, um, and I have spent my life, you know, really focusing on that and and working on that in my life. And then, and you wrote a memoir about that as well. Yes, exactly. That one is called loose girl. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a fascinating topic too. And I know we, you know, our plan was to talk about Lush, but mm-hmm. I mean, in a nutshell for, for listeners, just because I think, I think sex and love addiction are misunderstood, but also very Completely. prevalent. Like, could you give, you know, a, a kind of working definition of what that looks like for people who might be thinking like, that could be me. Yeah. Um, uh, I, part of, part of me wants to say for women, especially that, especially as I wrote that book, Loose Girl, um, I was really just writing about what it is to be a girl in our culture, you know, growing Mm -hmm. up as a girl in our culture. So there's a way that it's kind of, we're all set up to be sex and love addiction addicts Mm -hmm. rather if the, if the conditions are right, you know, because, because of our culture, because of the ways in which girls are, have no avenue for their own, um, uh, sexual agency, but, and, but also that we are so set up to, to know that male desire, uh, that men desiring us is what makes us worthwhile. Yes. So, um, so that, so there's that part of it. And then the other part of it I would say is so, you know, like meaning it's, it's always in context. I just don't believe that this issue exists in a vacuum in, well, I don't think anything does in, in mental health, but, um, but certainly sex and love addiction very strongly is inside of the context of a damaging culture around it, um, particularly for women. But then another way to look at it with just a simple definition is uh, that I often say is that it's using sex and or love to avoid intimacy, mm-hmm. um, which of course is a, um, you know, is an irony. Right. So. But it, it you know, my understanding of love addiction is it's that like addiction of the thrill of the chase or being liked for the first time. It's not necessarily intimacy. It, none of it's intimacy. Yeah. yeah. None of it's real intimacy. And it's, um, it's often love addiction is often about, um, anxiety and desperation mm-hmm. and, um, and believing yourself unlovable and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, worth nothing and, um, and that if a if if you can have a, a, a man or woman loving you um, and and want and desiring you, then then you will be worth something. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So it's yeah. It's it's a definitely troubling. It's a difficult, uh, shameful thing. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people to live with and certainly was for me for a long time. And then it also, my, my sex and love addiction, you know, changed shape and looked really different throughout the course of my life. Um, and you know, if I think about it as being in recovery, which, you know, I guess I can just to some extent think of it that way. Um, then what I've learned is that it goes through so many manifestations as I, you know, one part of it, I'll be like, Oh, you know, I don't feel that way anymore. Wow. I must be, you know, at some point I was like, wow, I must be all better, you know? And that's just not, that's never the case. It's mm-hmm. something that I'll always, it's my core struggle. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it kind of defines me in a big way. So, um, so that's something I'll always work on. And so the relationship with this, with this man that I wrote about in this book was, was so extra upsetting to me because I thought I had already kicked so much of that. And here mm-hmm. I was in, in probably the worst relationship of my life based on my sex and love addiction. Mm. You know, it was like as bad as it was like bottom of the barrel in terms, you know, rock bottom for what I thought I, sh- I should be so much 
in such a different place around. So that was depressing. Um, that is part of the drinking, (laughs) you know, but that's, you know, and I think people don't talk about that a lot, that that is how, um, life works. Like our growth is not this sort of direct diagonal up, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. we, um, someone once described it to me as a spiral going so, so slowly up, you know, where each time you keep coming around the same thing and actually you are doing something a little different or you have a different, a better thing going on and it Mm -hmm. is a little different, but it's basically the same thing. (laughs) So, yeah, it's so true. And I, I mean, this might be true for you too, but I find it's like, I might have more insight about it and I might yes. have more words for it, but I'm still yes. doing the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I yeah. know I'm doing it. <laughs> right. And that's so important for us as, you know, as, as people in mental health to, to make sure our clients know, because otherwise they feel so awful when they come up against, they're just like, really, I'm here again. Like, mm-hmm. obviously I haven't grown and that feels so that can feel so depressing and feel like, what's the point? Why would I, why am I even going to continue trying, you yeah. know? So it's important, I think, for, for people to know that, um, that that's sort of a lie, a myth in our culture, that yes. growth is a, is yeah. a direct arrow going a trajectory. up. Trajectory, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so true. Mm-hmm. Well, back to drinking for, you yes. know, some of our listeners Please. who might be hearing this and going like, I think I could probably tamp down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the drinking, you know, what would be some, what would be some signs that like things mm-hmm. maybe need to be reined in a bit? Well, at one point in my book, pretty early on, actually, I said, if you are worrying that you have a drinking problem, like mm-hmm. you have a drinking problem, Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just sort yeah. of like, as soon as you start wondering about that, then like, why, why even question whether, I mean, it is, you could, and again, I encourage people to stay curious. It doesn't mean first, all right, that's it. And now I'm, you know, I have a drinking problem and I need to quit forever. Um, but instead to be, to the fact, as soon as you notice that something's, something seem, you know, possibly is going on with drinking, um, then to be, start looking critically at what that's about for you. Yeah. Um, you know, like what, what it's really about, because it's, it's not going to, it's not, it's rarely going to be about the alcohol itself. Again, mm-hmm. if it is, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, then when you, if you come to that conclusion at some point, then it sounds like you need to stop drinking for good. But, um, a lot of times it's just, it's stuff that is, um, much deeper and stuff that is, um, related to your, what's, what you're, what's going on in your life and things, you know, things that are happening around you or choices you're making. And also some of it, it you know, most of it is like, it's not controllable. Kind of like we talked about It's more like stuff that's happening to us all the time. And we can't, we're kind of stuck in this culture where women don't have a lot of ways out of that. Um, but so anyway, but to go back to your, to your question, the, the real issue is, is it really doesn't take much to guess whether you have a a drinking problem. (laughs) It's just like, as soon as you start thinking, well, this is not, you know, I feel like I'm going too far. And then I guess the other thing would be, can you, once you determine, I think I have a drinking problem, you know, can you just stop for a little bit? And if you can't, well then again, probably there's a, a problem there, you know? And that's what happened to me is I, I knew that I had a problem and I wasn't stopping. I wasn't willing to stop. Yeah, absolutely. 
And so, you know, if people are finding themselves in that situation and feeling like, I, I need a reset, I mean, what advice would you give them for, you know, taking the practical steps? Mm-hmm. There is a, um, there is an, a sort of an organization, I guess, out there, um, or a program out there called Moderation Management. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Which I, yeah, which I had looked to, I, when I was doing all this research, I found and, um, and I looked to, and there, it's interesting because it is kind of quiet and it's, it's, um, hard to find programs in your area, but you can, you, it's online, you can find it online, but if you want to find, but, but they do have like support groups and stuff, kind of like AA where you can go and meet with other people who are moderating and they do have a listserv. I know. And they have a listserv where you, where people are supporting each other. Um, and that's a really good thing. Um, but it's kind of quiet and it's funny because one of my, um, a colleague who very much, um, is, um, kind of old school around addiction and alcohol and believes that, you know, people need to become abstinent, um, said he, he said that he wondered whether I was, um, doing a disservice in my book by, you know, the fact that people might read my book and then, and then, and then find out about moderation and, um, and that that was unethical in some way for people who were, uh, who are actually alcoholic. And I, right. and, and my response was, was, but nobody knows about moderation. No. <laughs> like everybody's going to assume AA and so many people go into AA and actually then feel like they can't get out. <laughs> they yes. really, they realize this actually isn't my problem, but now I can't get out because now everyone in, that I'm, you know, in AA with is like, well, if you leave, you have failed. And, you know, if you leave that you're an alcoholic who has, you know, relapsed and, um, and so, uh, there's all these, there's, it's a lot of people just don't do anything then. So, and so I think knowing about moderation is at least an option out there. And, you know, and again, um, there, and also there's lots of books, by the way, there's tons and tons of books that talk about how to, how to moderate your drinking. Yeah. Um, I found those as well. And, um, there's, and, and just, yeah, I think just for people to know that there are options, there's also yeah. other things like, um, you know, smart recovery, which is more sort of CBT based, uh, mm-hmm. cognitive behavioral based rather than, um, spiritually based like AA. Um, there's refuge recovery, which is Buddhist based, uh, recovery, um, uh, which was created by, um, uh, Noah Levine, I think. But, um, anyway, there's so many options and I guess that's, that's something that I would, I would encourage people to look into. And then, and if they want to start with moderation, find out, you know, that's a great way to find out if you can moderate. Because well, I was just can, about to say that it's like, yeah. it's not necessarily like, well, if they go the moderation route, they'll never land in AA. Like if they right. go the moderation route and it colossally fails, that would yes. be an indication that a greater, <laughs> yes. more robust program is needed. Exactly. 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 I mean, that's the thing is that, um, it, it's, you know, unless you're really, um, you know, everything is at, I mean, unless you're, you know, nearing death, you know, the other thing is if you have a real alcohol problem, which, um, it's always feels important to say to an audience, if you, if, if alcohol, if you have a true alcohol problem that is, um, has reached, you know, like stage four at this point, which is not a real, um, 
categorization for alcohol, but I'm just saying like, you know, as a metaphor stage four, um, you, you need medical support around getting, around getting clean Yeah, because it's really dangerous to stop drinking when yes. you're that far in and not everybody knows that. So it always feels important to say that. Yeah. That's, um, a, that's a really good point. Yeah. So, but it, that, that's a, that would be like a whole lot of alcohol. I mean, yes. I was, by the time I moderated, I mean, by the time I quit for that month, I was drinking approximately a bottle to a bottle and a half of wine a night. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's, and that's a lot, you know, mm-hmm. that's a whole lot, but that's still not as much as one would need to need medical support. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I just feel like that's important to yeah. say. Medi- people who need medical support would probably be the people that wake up uncomfortable till they take a drink. Exactly. The yeah. one, exactly. Versus that's a good way, good way to put it. Mid-afternoon to evening drinkers. Right. Yes. Well, I'm yeah, going to link up to yeah. your books on our site. And okay. I'm also going to link up to all of the resources you mentioned, moderation Great. management, smart recovery, refuge recovery, Alcoholics Great. Anonymous. So if people are interested, they can explore more. Um, but I really encourage our readers to check out Lush, a memoir, because I think you did such a great job of personalizing this for people. And it was so vulnerable and so well done. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I think this is a super helpful conversation for people. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to shepherd audio for our intro music. Take care.